Turn with me in your Bibles, if you would, to Luke chapter number 22. Luke chapter number 22. I don't know if you're supposed to talk about last week's sermon on this week. I heard that on the radio, you're never supposed to talk about the song you just played because nobody's heard it. If, if they get on the radio, and you're, all you're doing is making them mad because they miss it. But, uh, you know, last week we talked about Peter and we talked about Jesus. And, and uh, Peter said, you know, we've been fishing all night and haven't caught anything. He said, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word. And uh, that's when the blessing, that's when everything changed for Peter. He said, nevertheless, at thy word. And uh, this is. This is one of my favorite sermons. I'm not going to lie and say this is the first time I've preached it. But uh, Peter, Peter reaches another point. You know, God has a way. Uh, preachers have taught me God has a way of taking a man. He calls a man out, calls a person to do something, and then he breaks them. You know, they get a lot, it may be pride, maybe something that holds them, holds them back or something. Their heart is toward God. Their heart is toward the things of God. They desire to, to be with God, to follow God. But then God just has to kind of get that thing out of there. You know, this morning we, uh, it was brought up about the rich young ruler that came, you know, and he said, I've kept all the commandments. And Jesus said, nevertheless, one thing thou lackest, sell all that you have and give to the poor. You know, and you could get on a sermon and say, oh, well, see, he's supposed to sell everything he has and gives to the, give to the poor. But what Jesus was doing was showing that man what was holding him back. And he said he went away sorrowful because he had much riches. So in that sense, the man was broken, but we don't know if he ever came back. For all we know, he was part of the 3,000 over there in Acts chapter number 2 that came to the Lord and said, I see what he was saying. We see in the Old Testament, we see with Moses the taking, making, and breaking. And that's one thing I got carried away a little bit this week on when I was uh, doing the one-on-one Bible study with a fellow. But, you know, Moses was there in Egypt, he, you know, in the basket, and then he was a son of Pharaoh, and he was over. He was in a position, if anybody was in a position to, to do God's will, Pharaoh was, because he was... He was in line to be an heir. If, he, if anybody was going to free the Israelites from bondage, it could be Moses. Because he was in a position to do it. But he was trying to do it under his own power. And so when he sees the Egyptian beating the, the Israelite and he kills the Egyptian and stashes the body. And he thinks, it's, yeah. You don't know what's going through his mind at the time. You don't, you don't know exactly what's going on. Is there going to be an uprising? Are they going to stand up against the Egyptians? Is, there going to, is he going to rally them to the forces? Or is he going to rally them to the fight? We don't know. But what we do know is the next day Moses went back. And there were two Israelites fighting. And he said, brethren, why are you fighting with each other? And the one, the one Israelite turned to him and said, who made you a ruler and a king over us? Are you going to kill me like you did the Egyptian yesterday? Moses, realizing that the thing was known, the Bible tells us, he, he runs off. Pharaoh sought to kill him. 
Moses ends up on the backside of the desert. When you look at Moses' life, 40 years he spent in Egypt. 40 years he spent on the backside of the desert. And then when you get to chapter number 3, Moses is there. And it says, he, now Moses kept the flock of Jethro. That always struck out at me. I'm not going to preach on that this morning, but that always struck out at me. Because sometimes there reaches a point in a man's life where he's at the end of himself. Where, where that pride, that pride is broken out and it's gone. And that's where Moses was. He was on the backside of the desert and he was keeping the flock of Jethro. He was married to Jethro's daughter. He wasn't keeping his own flock. He was keeping his father-in-law's flock. And then you see when God calls him out of the burning bush, that Moses begins to argue with God. He says, well, who will I tell him that sent me? And then God said, tell him I am sent you. How will they believe me? Perform these miracles. Lord, I'm not eloquent. I'm going to send your brother with you. He can be your mouth and you'll be to him as God. What you tell him to say, he'll say to Pharaoh. You don't have to worry about your stuttering or whatever it is that's holding you back. And Moses, he finally said, Lord, just if it be good, send, send whom thou will. You know what he was saying in modern terms? He was saying, maybe you just better send somebody else. You go back in time and you look at Moses and he was ready when he was in Egypt. But by the time 40 years on the backside of the desert, he was done. He's, there's, there's really not, nothing in me. We call that a lack of self-esteem today, right? God calls it being ready for his leadership. God's ready to use him. And it was then when Moses said, Lord, just send somebody else. That's when God lost his patience and he got mad. He said, look, Aaron's going to go with you. He's going to talk. You're going to do what I say. It's abbreviated. The Keith, the Keith Steele version. But Moses then follows what God says. He does everything that God says. And that's when God begins performing the miracles. That's when God begins working through him. In the life of Peter, we see a man who was, he was impulsive. He was ready to follow God. He left his nets. He, when he learned about Jesus that day, when he was sitting in the boat and Jesus was talking, and I'm carrying on with that picture that I painted last week. But when he was listening, he determined he was going to follow this man. And he got to shore, and that, that ship, that boat was full of fish and about to sink. He parked it. It didn't say anything about cleaning them. didn't say anything about unloading them. I think he just said, here, Zebedee, have at it. I'm gone. And he followed Jesus. Wasn't like the rich young ruler who went away sorrowful because he had much riches. Peter was ready to go. He was, his heart was in it. But we reach this point in Peter's life, this little, this, this little point of decision, this, this point where people look back and they say, oh, see where Peter fell. You know, the Bible shows us warts and all, so we look and we see where people fall. But the Bible also shows how they get back up again. And that's what I like about this story. So for Peter, we see in other well, I'll just read this incident and I'll go back through. But uh, verse number 31, Luke 22, verse, look at verse 1. This gives us a context of where we are. 
Verse number one of Luke 22 says, Now the feast of unleavened bread drew nigh, which is called the Passover. And the chief priests and scribes sought how they might kill him, for they feared the people. Then entered Satan into Judas, surnamed Iscariot, by being of the number of the twelve. And he went his way and communed with the chief priests and captains how he might betray them. Now before we go on any further, we're going to jump ahead to verse number 31, I think it is. But this tells you where we are. We're here toward the end of Jesus' ministry, and we're at the Last Supper. Judas Iscariot is about to make a deal with the priests, and he's about to turn Jesus over to him for the what? 20, 30 pieces of silver? He's about to sell Jesus Christ out. And Jesus is looking at the cross. He's about to head toward the cross. He knows every stripe that's going to happen. He knows every strike that's going to happen. He knows, that, he knows the DNA and the spittle. They're about to spit at him. He knows everything that's going on. And he wants to tell the disciples, when you know you're about to go away, when you know you're about to leave someplace, you want to impart something to somebody. You're not going to be there for them. You want to tell them something that's going to help them make it through. Now, Jesus knows he's coming back, but he knows there's going to be a time when they scatter. So verse 31, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not. And when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. Now, Peter, when we look at this taking, breaking, and making process, Peter is right here at the beginning of it. Jesus is calling him. He said, when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. God's given him a calling. He doesn't fully understand it yet, but he hears it. He's going away. He said, he said Lord Simon, Simon, behold, Satan hath desired to have you that he may sift you as wheat. But I have prayed for thee that thy faith fail not, and when thou art converted, strengthen thy brethren. And Peter said, verse 33, Lord, I am ready to go with thee both into prison and to death. You know, there's some meek people in life, but Peter wasn't one of them. I always talk about the filter, right? Peter's the one that didn't have the filter. Just whatever was on his mind, everybody knew what it was. And Peter's saying, they're not going to take you. I'm going. I don't care if we got to fight. I don't care if I got to go to prison. I'm going to be there with you. The thing is, Jesus knew there was another plan in place. Jesus, was, uh, Peter was ready for the uprising. He was ready to fight. Verse 34, and he said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. I don't tell Peter that. Uh, that, that's not how it's going to happen. Verse 35, and he said unto them, When I sent you without purse and script and shoes, lacked you anything? And they said nothing. Then said he unto them, But now he that hath a purse, let him take it. And likewise his script. And he that hath no sword, let him sell his garment and buy one. For I say unto you, that this that is written must yet be accomplished in me. And he was reckoned among the transgressors for the thing concerning me have an end. And they said, Lord, behold, here are two swords. And he said unto them, it is enough. 
So we look at the apostle Peter from the day Jesus passed by Peter and his brother Andrew and said, follow me. I will make you fishers of men. Peter and Andrew dropped their nets and followed Jesus. Peter had no problem recognizing who Jesus was over in Matthew chapter 16. Jesus said, but whom say you that I am? And Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. And Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my father, which is in heaven. Peter, Peter was following Christ, the Messiah, and he knew it. Peter was part of the inner circle. Over in Matthew 17, after six days, Jesus taketh Peter, James, and John, his brother, to bring them up into a high mountain apart. And Jesus takes them up into the mountain. The other disciples are left behind, but he takes these disciples up into the high mountain. And Peter gets to see Jesus transfigured on the Mount of Transfiguration. The Bible tells us, and he was transfigured before them, and his face did shine as the sun, and his raiment was white as the light. And behold, there appeared unto them Moses and Elias talking with him. And then Peter, who was never afraid to say what is on his mind, he said, Then answered Peter and said unto Jesus, Lord, it is good for us to be here. If thou wilt, let us make three tabernacles, one for thee, one for Moses, and one for Elias. While he yet spake, behold, a bright cloud overshadowed them, and behold, a voice out of the cloud which said, this is my beloved son in whom I am well pleased. Hear ye him. When the disciples were in the storm and Peter saw Jesus walking on the water, when he realized it was Jesus, when they were no longer afraid, Peter said, Lord, if it be thou, bid me come. Jesus said, come. Peter stepped out of the boat in that storm and walked toward Jesus. And it's only when he began to worry about the waves that he began to sink. But we see over here in Luke chapter 22, something happened. Peter's confident. He's seen all of this that take place. He's seen the miracles that take place with God. He said, I'm going to follow you to the end, to prison and to death. And Jesus said, I tell thee, Peter, the cock shall not crow this day before that thou shalt deny me thrice, that before thou shalt thrice deny that thou knowest me. There's a couple things that caused Peter here, and we know that, that later when Jesus was crucified, when he was taken into the Sanhedrin and Peter was standing outside, he was standing there by the world's fire. Peter is outside and he watches as they take Jesus away. And as he stands out there and the young lady comes up and says, well, he's one of them. Peter said, no. Peter denied again, and he denied again. He ended up denying Jesus Christ three times at night. We know that story. I'm not going to go there just yet. But what I want to look at is Peter's mindset this night. And Peter's looking over at Jesus, and Jesus looks back at him. And Peter remembers what Jesus told him. And the Bible says that Peter went out and wept bitterly. He knew that he had just denied the Son of God three times, just like he'd been told he would. When we look back at that night, we see Peter's failure in that night. He said, and the Lord said, Simon, Simon. He had to get his attention. I don't think Peter was listening. 
He was distracted. He was prayed for. Prayer doesn't erase the trial that's coming. Prayer strengthens us for it. Peter had a trial ahead of him, and Jesus was warning him. The trial was coming, and Peter wasn't going to avoid it. But Jesus' words must have come back to Peter later. It's good to know that we're not alone in this Christian walk, that Jesus Christ is praying for us. Look over at verse 55. 55, and when they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, well, verse 54, then they took him, talking about Jesus, and led him and brought him into the high priest's house, and Peter followed afar off. When they had kindled a fire in the midst of the hall, and were set down together. Peter sat down among them. But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man also was with them. Jesus is, number one, Peter was following afar off. He's staying behind. He doesn't know what to do. When they were in the Garden of Gethsemane, when the soldiers come for Jesus Christ, there's one man among them that pulls his sword and cuts the ear off the servant. It was Peter, the Bible tells us. Peter was ready to fight. He was geared up for the battle. And the thing was, when he did that, when he drew his sword, when he cut that servant's ear off, and he was ready to fight those soldiers even to the death, that was his mindset. He was ready to go with Jesus to the death. He had his own way figured out how this was going to happen. And we get ahead of God, and we think this is how it's going to happen. This is... This is what's going to take place, and we get ahead of God. And Peter had it all figured out, and he pulls that sword out, and he cuts that servant's ear off, and then Peter, Jesus, holds him back. Not only that, but he heals the servant's ear, and Jesus goes with him. I think when Peter saw that in that night, I think when Peter saw Jesus walking away, I think all the wind went out of Peter's cells. I think when Peter saw Jesus walking away and there was no battle, there was no fight that took place, there was nothing, because Jesus had other plans. God had other plans. Jesus was going to die on the cross. If, if they'd have fought, he'd have never died on the cross. He watches him walk away. He's at the end of himself. Peter doesn't know what to do. All he can do is follow afar off, and that's where we get to the place where we are over here in Luke twenty-two fifty-six. It says, But a certain maid beheld him as he sat by the fire and earnestly looked upon him and said, This man was also with him. Verse 57, And he denied him, saying, Woman, I know him not, denying Jesus Christ. The one he had followed, the one he saw on the Mount of Transfiguration, the one he said, nevertheless, Lord, at thy word. Verse 57, and he denied him, saying, woman, I know him not. In verse 58, and after a little while, another saw him and said, thou art also of them. And Peter said, man, I am not. Verse 59, in about the space of one hour after another confidently affirmed, saying of a truth, this fellow also was with him, for he is a Galilean. And Peter said, I know not what thou sayest. And immediately, while he yet spake, the cock crew, crowed. And the Lord turned and looked upon Peter. And Peter remembered the word of the Lord, how he had said unto him before the cock crow, thou shalt deny me thrice. And the Bible says in verse 
62, and Peter went out and wept bitterly. And then it goes on to describe how Jesus was beaten and how he was hung on the cross. And we know the story. We know the way to the cross. And every one of those stripes, I think they hurt Peter to the core. I I think it struck Peter down. He said, I've denied the Son of God. He wasn't there to help him. He didn't know what to do. Peter reaches the end of himself, and we get to John chapter number 20. Jesus is crucified. When When they find that the tomb is empty, Peter is one of the first ones. He raises John, but John tells us that he, he beat Peter to the tomb. But he raced to the tomb to see the empty tomb. And he just comes to the end of himself. John chapter number 20. Turn with me there. My story aside, there's people that have gotten away from God and they say, well, I've denied God. I've walked away from him. I've, I, he, he's not going to want me back. He's done with me. And it doesn't matter whether you're a preacher. It doesn't matter whether you got caught up in sin. It doesn't matter what you got caught up in. You reach the end of yourself and you say, God's not going to want me back. I've just been too far away. I remember that time when I got saved when I was young. I remember that time when I used to go to church with Grandma. I remember when somebody witnessed me one time and that light came on and I saw God. When something happened, the world got in the way. This got in the way. It begins denying once, denying twice, denying three times. You get away from God. And then after a while, you're so far away from God, it's all just a memory. It's just a faded memory. It's like I just kind of remember what it's like to be in God's will. I kind of remember what it was like. I remember that light that was in my life. I remember that relationship that I was kind of drawing closer, and I was beginning to see things in God's word. But he's not going to want me back. He's not going to want anything to do with me. Now, over here in John chapter number 20, all my points aside, this last one's the most important. It's over in John chapter number 20. Let's read it. And this is after the resurrection, and Jesus has spoken to him. And Peter was there, and he heard Jesus speak, but there was still an elephant in the room. There was still that fact that Peter had denied Jesus Christ. And I'm sure that was still riding at the back of Peter's mind. It says that after these things, Jesus showed himself again to the disciples at the Sea of Tiberias, and on this wise showed he himself. There were together Simon Peter and Thomas called Didymus and Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee and two other of his disciples. And Simon Peter saith unto them, I go a fishing. And they say unto him, we, go also, we also go with thee. And they went forth and entered into a ship immediately, and that night they caught nothing. This kind of takes us right back to the beginning of Peter's relationship with Jesus Christ, doesn't it? When people feel that they're so far away from God, it is just... It's, I, I've failed God too many times. I've gotten so far away from God that there's... There's just nothing for me. And Peter goes back to what he knows to do. Fishing on the Sea of Galilee. He says, I go a fishing. But it's at the end of yourself. 
just Jesus is gone. He's been crucified. We've seen him. But we've seen his resurrected body. We don't. What do we do? Peter says, he's not one to sit around. He says, I go fishing. They go out and they fish all night, but they caught nothing. Verse number four. But when the morning was now come, Jesus stood on the shore, but the disciples knew not that it was Jesus. Verse number five. Then Jesus saith unto them, children, have you any meat? And they answered him, no. You go back, you can almost see the flashback. We've we fished all night. We've labored all night. We caught nothing. And he said unto them, cast the net on the right side of the ship and you shall find. They cast therefore, and now they were not able to draw it for the multitude of fishes. Therefore that disciple whom Jesus loved saith unto Peter, it is the Lord. Now when Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he girded his fisher's coat upon him, for he was naked and he did cast himself into the sea. And the other disciples came in a little ship, for they were not far from land, but as it were, 200 cubits, driving, dragging the net of the fishes, with the fishes. Once again, Peter left the net behind, and he swam to shore when he realized it was, this is Lord. You know, I said from that hymn, draw nigh to God, he'll draw nigh to you. Peter was definitely drawing nigh to God that day. And in verse number eight, and the other disciples came in a little ship in verse number nine. And as soon as they were come to land, they saw a fire of coals there and fish laid thereon and bread. Jesus saith unto him, bring of the fish which you have now caught. Simon Peter went up and drew the net to land full of great fishes, and a hundred and fifty-three. For all there were so many, yet was the net not broken. Jesus saith unto them, Come and dine. And now the disciples durst ask him, Who art thou? Knowing that it was the Lord. They, they dared not ask him. And then verse 13, Jesus then cometh and taketh bread and giveth them and fish likewise. And this is now the third time that Jesus showed himself to his disciples after that he was risen from the dead. Now verse number 15 on, it starts to get personal with Jesus and Peter. The other disciples are there. But there's this elephant in the room. Peter knows that he denied his Lord. I got to think, and this is just me stepping outside of the text a little bit, okay? So you don't have to write it into doctrine. I got to think, Peter, as he sat there and ate, nagging at the back of his mind, I'm not better than any of these guys. I'm not that guy that's going to be fighting. I already saw where I failed on that. I'm not the guy that's going to follow him to prison because I didn't do that. I stood afar off. The Bible tells us he, he warmed himself by their fire. Those, you know, in the sermon, that's a, that's a sermon right there, warming yourself by the world's fire. But he would drift it off, and he said, you know, I'm not that guy anymore, but I'm just happy. I'm just grateful 
that I get to be in the company of Jesus Christ. As they sat there on that beach and Jesus looked at him, verse number 15, so when they had dined, Jesus saith to Peter, Simon, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me more than these? And he saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. He saith unto him, Feed my lambs. Now let's step out of this just a minute. As a, a preacher can get into the Greek and all this and say, oh, well, little stone, big stone, little love, big love, agape, phileo, and all this. Let's just get down. Let's just say what the English says. He says, Peter, lovest thou me more than these? He might be pointing at the fish. Peter had just given up. He'd gone back to fishing. He said, you love me more than these? He said, yeah, Lord, you know that I love you unsaid is I I left these nets behind to follow you Lord I followed you for three and a half years wherever you went I did whatever you said whatever you wanted you know Lord and it hurts him because he know he denied him but he's trying to tell Lord I love you and he says in verse number seven uh, verse number 16 he saith unto him again the second time Simon Son of Jonas, lovest thou me? He saith unto him, Yea, Lord, thou knowest that I love thee. And he saith unto him, Feed my sheep. Now just a little aside, I remember when I was going to Calvary Baptist Church and Brother Grady Stokes, the pastor I surrendered to preach under, I remember being at his door, the little trailer pastorum we had outside the church there. And he said, Read this. And I read it. And I said, feed my sheep. And Brother Grady said, what did he say there? He said, feed my sheep. Brother Grady goes, hmm. Now, I know he'd read that. I know he knew that was in the text. And he said, read read verse number 16. I read it. No, no, slow down. Not so fast. What did he say there? He said, feed my sheep. He said, oh, okay. Now, he was talking to a young preacher. He's, and and that, that was true at one time. In verse number 17, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? And Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? I think every time was like a knife in the heart. Every time. There's three times here. You know and this is the way I like to say it. Gape, phileo, whatever. Jesus walked him back through each denial. Lovest thou me more than these? Feed my sheep. God does not repent of his calling. The Bible tells us. You know how precious that is? you know how precious that is that somebody surrendered to preach the word of God and gave up? You know how precious that is to someone who has accepted Jesus Christ as their Savior, but they've gotten into sin and they've got caught up in this world and they got so far away from God that he just seems like he's off in a different universe that you no longer have that feeling that he's close? You're no longer praying. You're no longer reading the Bible. Every day you get up and there's commercials, there's TV, there's movies, there's, there's books, there's everything around you, surrounding you, billboards, whatever. 
Everything points away from God, but it's so precious that God will call you back and walk you back. That there's forgiveness. And it said it grieved Peter. And I think each time he looked back on those denials and he said, what are you doing to me, Lord? You know that I love you. He says, he saith unto him the third time, Simon, son of Jonas, lovest thou me? Peter was grieved because he said unto him the third time, lovest thou me? And he said unto him, Lord, thou knowest all things. Thou knowest that I love thee. And Jesus saith unto him, feed my sheep. The calling didn't change. Brother Grady stopped me. Feed my sheep. I, I can see it says that, Brother Grady. I, I don't understand. I mean, yeah, feed my sheep. They take care of the people, dude. I get it. What are you trying to say to me? He never said it, never had to. Verse 18, verily, verily, I say unto thee, when thou wast young, thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest. But when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thy hands, and another shall gird thee and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. And this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And when he had spoken this, he said unto him, Follow me. And then there's more there. But what's important? That calling wasn't repented of. He was reinstating Peter. He was telling him, yeah, you messed up. Let's get over this. Let's get our relationship right. Let's get this elephant out of the room. Turn. Just another book over. Acts chapter number two. Well, yeah. In Acts chapter number one, you see Peter taking charge in the upper room. Peter's a leader among the disciples. In Acts chapter number two, when the Holy Spirit comes, it says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place, and suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost and began to speak with other tongues. Doctrinally, we're not going to go there today. But it said, verse number six, Now when this was noised abroad, the multitude came together and were confounded, because that every man heard them speak in his own language. And they were all amazed and marveled, saying one to another, Behold, are not all these which speak Galileans? And how hear we every man in our own tongue, wherein we were born? And it goes through the list. And uh, verse number 12, And they were all amazed and were in doubt, saying one to another, What meaneth, what meaneth this? Others mocking said, These men are full of new wine. But then look what happens in verse number 14. Peter was at the end of himself. Now God was ready to use him. But Peter, standing up with the eleven, lifted up his voice and said unto them, and there's a crowd there because there's 3,000 that come to the Lord. There's 3,000 added to the church that day. The Peter, who was ready to fight, now realizes the Lord didn't come to fight. The Lord came to die for our sins. He came for that one purpose, 
and Peter was getting in the way of it or trying to. But now he knows he's with God's plan. And it says he standing up, lifted up his voice and said unto them, You men of Judea and all ye that dwell at Jerusalem, be this known unto you and hearken to my words. For these men are not drunken, as you suppose, seeing it is but the third hour of the day. But this is that which was spoken by the prophet Joel. And it shall come to pass in our last days, saith God, I will pour out of my spirit upon all flesh. And your sons and your daughters shall prophesy, and your young men shall see visions, and your old men shall dream dreams, and on my servants and on my handmaidens I will pour out in those days of my spirit, and they shall prophesy. I will show wonders in heaven above, and signs in the earth beneath, blood and fire and vapor of smoke. The sun shall be turned into darkness, and the moon into blood, before that great and notable day. So he goes through the whole thing, and then verse number 37 now, when they heard this, they were pricked in their heart and said unto Peter and to the rest of the apostles, Men and brethren, what shall we do? Then Peter said unto them, Repent and be baptized every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the Holy Ghost. And it tells us 3,000 were added to the church in that day. God was able to use Peter. Turn over to 1 Peter chapter number 5. First Peter chapter number five, Peter's been preaching, Peter's been leading the church, and Peter's talking to the people. He said, the elders which are among you I exhort, who am also an elder and a witness of the sufferings of Christ, and also a partaker of the glory that shall be revealed. He tells them, feed the flock of God which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. Neither as being lords over God's heritage, but being in samples to the flock. And when the chief shepherd shall appear, you shall receive a crown of glory that fadeth not away. He says, feed the flock of God. Now, Brother Grady, have me read that and have me pause. And I think those words went back over Peter's mind through his whole life. Feed my sheep. Feed my sheep. And he realized God gave him the call to feed the sheep. It's not to be lords over God's heritage. It's not to, not to lead the charge in the battle. It's not to do it. It's to feed the sheep. It's not a glorious battle. That's what Peter was looking for at first. But it's feeding the sheep. Peter had come to the end of himself and God was able to use him. I don't know what your situation is. I don't know where you've been, where you are. I sure didn't put a scope on this sermon because this sermon was for me. But as we stand and as you.